You're listening to Ghost Radio, Station 0.5. It's the devil in the dive, and up next is another rad episode of Bad Band, Great Song. Try anything twice, exactly. I like that you just skip. You'll try anything once, and you go straight to "I'll try anything twice." Yeah, because you know, you never know. You can never really know on the first. Yeah, time. you have to try things twice. Like what you don't, you don't like to eat a, you don't try a food, and then you're like one bite, and you're like, oh, that's horrible. You have to like have that second bite. That's like, oh yeah, that that is horrible. I feel like some people only do the first bite, but I think you're right. That like you got to live life two bites at a time. Two bites at a time. I also say that I'll combine any two foods that I already like. I'll try them together. <laughs> it's it's kind of kinky, dude. I don't. This is, I don't know if that's where you're trying to go with this. But this is starting to get me excited. In fact, I think this is going to. Be, this is like starting to actually push up now. Again, live bite. You got to live life two bites at a time. This is pushing up against. Basically, what I wanted to say at the top of the show to these folks is that I wanted to assure you, I see some, I hear some folks like complain sometimes that like other shows are just like, you know, all oh, these hosts of in jokes with each other and all these references that you have to pay attention to to get, you know, and I want to assure people that we're not going to become we're not going to become that kind of show. We're not going to have bits that you need to pay attention to to get like about how kids should put their parents to bed, not their parents. We're not gonna have, we're not gonna reference philosophers that you gotta pay attention to and understand why we're angry about it, like Lucius Aeneas Seneca the Younger. We're not gonna talk about Dan Wilson not getting puns. We're not gonna talk about horses and-, and we're, This is, we're really starting with bestiality? <laughs> this is where we're going? <laughs> This, this is how we're starting the show. Yeah, I wanted to prep everybody for all the research and work we put into this show by starting hot with a bestiality joke. We're not going to become a show where you have to pay attention to understand why we talk about how you can't... You can, you can bring a horse home, but you can't make it fuck your wife. <laughs> we're not going to become that. Because we've already become that, folks. And you know what they say. You can't bring a you can bring a horse home, but you can't make a fuck my wife. That's what they say. That's what they say. We're starting hot. We're starting weird today, folks. Welcome to the show that will piss you off. This is the podcast that will piss you off. This is Bad Band. Great song. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I'm your host, Andrew Patrick Finelli, and I'm joined today, as I am every day, by the the beautiful Jeremy Cohen. Jerry. How you doing? How you been? Ah, the band we're focusing our critique on today is Fozzy and their song, Judas. Oh my 
I become, I become, I become man. I become, I become, I become man. Judas said, Judas in my mind. That'll make sense eventually, folks. Judas is an immensely engaging, straightforward, and anthemic pop rock song with a hard rock and, quote, uh, metal coat of paint with deceptive earworm potential. It certainly deals with basic Christian themes and imagery. Uh, it, of course, at face value, tells the story of Jesus and Judas from Judas's perspective. But just as the simplistic music belies a song with an awesome melody and a tight classic structure, the lyrics offer more than what an immediate reading and listen may hint at. And really, to me, it just it just really feels like another Christian rock radio <laughs> song. At least, at least the first time I suffered through listening to the track. Yeah, at know, least the first time. When I first listened to it, I didn't. I wasn't like, oh yeah, this is, this is definitely Christian. I didn't know how Christian Chris Jericho was. I didn't know Christian Fozzie was. And as we'll talk about later in the show, this song was actually originally meant for another, even more Christian band. But hey, whatever. You know, I, I argue that despite its name and source material, that most people have a personal relationship with this song far before ever considering it to be literally about Judas and Jesus. I may be wrong. I think that, though. I think people are smart enough that, wrong or right, there is an assumption that this song is, is using Judas as a metaphor for one's very real transformation into a person of how a person of, of low moral fiber, right? Shouts to Chuck and Kenny. Those who know, know. Legends live in Reseda. That's a... Some pro wrestling stuff right there, Jerry. That's yeah, I flew okay. over my head. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I don't know. I think that like, if it's a song about you, you have to be a, a believer in God to even use Judas as a metaphor. I'll push back on that. I mean, you call I could call like a traitor, like oh, he's a Benedict Arnold. I'm not like a history uh, nerd. Sure, I don't give a sure. fuck about American yeah, the, history. But the Bible is different. The, the Bible, Bible is, is very yeah. specific. It's a Bible character. It is. That is. It is a biblical character. A that biblical is, character. That is all. These know? are all literary characters we're discussing. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of discussing, thing people. <laughs> Though they are out there, and, and, I, and I mean Fozzie superfans in, in this regard, uh, I think few would argue with us when we say Fozzie is a bad band. <laughs> yeah, you won't. You certainly won't hear any pushback on that from me. So Yeah, thank you. There's some things we agree on. But as you should all know by now, folks, we're not here to prove to the diehards that Fozzie is bad. No, 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 no. We're here to challenge the skeptics. At least I am. I don't know about you, Jerry. We're here to challenge the skeptics to recognize the greatness of their song, Judas. Well, I, I'm one of the skeptics. There you so. go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if folks at home listening, if you're ever one of those people who, who complain about hosts always agreeing with each other, I hope you appreciate this show. Yeah. I hope you appreciate this show. This, we haven't even I'm already I'm already breaking down. Anyway, all right. So we're going to examine Fozzie and the song Judas in detail to articulate how and why to make the case that though Fozzie is a very, very bad band, Judas is a great song. Yeah, this, this is probably our furthest stretch of the definition of great. <laughs> 
on the podcast so far and maybe ever. And uh, that's at least for me personally, but it's going to worse. It's going to yeah. get worse. I guarantee you it's going to get worse. Yeah. So folks, if you take any mind expanding drugs, now is the time to hit that shit because this episode, believe it or not, is stuffed to the brim with loads of, huh? Well, not interesting. This episode is teeming with, whoa. Yeah. There's a lot in this episode. That's, fun to think about. So smoke something strange and get ready to be confused about what's real and what's not. This is the story of Fozzie. Man has leased himself when he talks in his own person. Give him a mask and he will tell you the truth. That should, <laughs> that should sound familiar to you all by now. This is one of Oscar Wilde's most famous quotes. Its origin stretches back to several articles written by Wilde for the British monthly literary publication called The 19th Century. These articles were written as a series known as The True Function and Value of Criticism. These articles were later collected under the name The Critic as Artist for Wilde's 1891 collection of essays titled Intentions. And this whole time I thought that was a Jack Dorsey <laughs> quote. <laughs> it, is, it, is very, it is very tweetable, is it not? It's a very it's like... very tweetable. Yeah. And it's, you know, kind of Twitter. Yes, it is. <laughs> That's what... <laughs> it is. We exist, we all exist with many masks these days, don't we? Yeah. So folks, have you started smoking yet? Because I know I get all kind of college boy pretty frequently here, but this time, this time we're leaving the classroom. We're going straight to the dorm room, and I've already been hitting the makeshift grab bong, grab bong in our bathtub. I can't even say it right. So let's go. Yeah, just don't drink the bong water. Soak in it. <laughs> My dad actually once had a friend of his. He got a friend of his to drink the bong water. It, I mean, you can imagine how the story goes, but anyway. Yeah, I'd have, uh, there's a... Yeah, whatever. We don't need to get into <laughs> drinking bog water stories. Yeah, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to constantly be bleeping people's names. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't gonna. I was not gonna name drop. But okay, you know, we right. still don't need to be the podcast We're talking about drinking bong water. Let's keep. Going. I mean, we can, but this is literally the, just the barely the end of page two of the script. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying here? This is one of those episodes, folks. <laughs> Speaking of. This is literally how the next paragraph begins. I can't, I can't believe I am who I am. Anyway, the artist and the mask. <laughs> <laughs> Truth through artifice. Looking beyond yourself, leaving yourself, immersing in an experience of another and discovering a universal truth from exploring outside yourself. These are concepts we began addressing right out of the gate with episode 1's semisonic closing time. These are concepts we directly addressed when we initially quoted Wild in episode 3, New Radicals, You Get What You Give. And these will certainly be concepts we continue to address as this show goes on. And these are concepts we will directly address in this episode as we tell Fozzie's story. Artists are funny people. Bowie made some of his most emotional, sexual, and therefore, dare I say, human music when he was primarily known by a completely different name and pretending to be a non-binary pansexual alien. And on top of all of that, David Bowie isn't even his real name, as I'm sure most of you know. Layers. Masks. 
truth through artifice. I maintain that post-Ziggy Bowie is rooted in being intellectual. Young American sounds jazzy and soulful, but it's actually very rigid and strange. And the Berlin Trilogy, if that's, uh, if that's your idea of emotional truth, uh, you may be skiing the same slopes Bowie was hitting during that time. Cocaine. You're talking about cocaine. There, you're probably on cocaine if you enjoyed that, is what Andrew is saying. That is exactly a lot what of I was saying. <laughs> cocaine, milk, and peppers. Yeah. Whoa, what? That, that, that was his full, like, like satanic, ritualistic, psychotic, magic cocktail. He only subsisted on cocaine, milk, and peppers for a time. Like spicy peppers? Yeah, like he ate, like, uh, like raw like peppers. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, but like a jalapeno is a cook. Okay, now I'm fucking, I'm, I'm showing my whiteness. I don't know what the fucking, but you know, like a pepper, the same pepper is a different name after it's been cooked. I think he ate raw peppers and cooked peppers. This yeah, is, I didn't even know that. This, we can't, we can't turn this podcast into a show about peppers. <laughs> peppers and bong water, our next <laughs> podcast. Peppers and bong. <laughs> Folks, I hope you're writing these references down because it's going to get crazy. I'm actually, I am taking notes. Anyway, <laughs> in contrast, Ziggy Stardust was about the heart and the loins. Oh, it was getting close to cocaine, peppers and milk, but whatever. Yes, Ziggy was contrived and a concept but one that was really rooted in very human base and primal truths. Ziggy Stardust, for all his alien affectations, was arguably the most human, connected, and sincere Bowie ever was. I stress, I stress sincere. As he said, don't fake it, baby. Lay the real thing on me. Those words give me chills to this very day. So good. So good. And honestly, post- you don't hear things like that from Bowie post Ziggy Stardust. Don't fake it, baby. Lay the real thing on me. That's some real shit. That's some real lover's shit. And yes, before you say, oh, being intellectual is human. Humans are intellectual. Yes, of course. But I believe, despite all the pretentious shit I spit in this fucking show, I believe we are most human and most ourselves when we let go of the pretenses and phony politesse of humanity. I think we're most ourselves when playing in the mud. Perhaps a puddle of mud? We're most <laughs> ourselves when playing in the mud, and less so when we're reading a book and so well-mannered. So, that's what is behind me saying Bowie was most human and sincere when he was overtly playing a role. He was singing about love, sex, desire, hopes, dreams, and fears. And death and space stuff. Yeah, real human shit. <laughs> real human shit. <laughs> um, I don't know. And I think in the case of Bowie, that mask made him more real than, Agreed. you know, anything else but i guess that's a testament to how great of an artist they actually were was being able to let that mask be that truth and let mm -hmm. it come out in that way mm -hmm. and grow and change so much over the years also yeah that's excellent and i think the point you just brought up about actually getting like i mean that's what we're talking about getting to truth through that mask and we're going to talk about that in very literal terms Quite soon, actually. Yeah. Uh, but this is all to say that I, I agree. I agree, Oscar. <laughs> I, th <laughs> I think we often get to the truth through artifice. I'm not, not going to make it one of those podcasts. It's not going to be a horny podcast. It might be a horny podcast. We'll see what happens. I don't know. One manifestation of that is how we learn things about human nature through art. 
artifice, art. I hope we're picking up on the recurring word and prefix here. I'm art. Not, I'm art, right? I'm not actually an English teacher, so I'm not going to lecture on this, but art, artifice. Art. We're on the same page, right? Yeah. I love you, Jerry. At its best, art is a contrivance that reveals some truths, a subjective experience for individuals, right, that acts as a gateway to unifying objective truths and shared understanding. Part of that is an artist tapping into a deeper and greater truth themselves and doing so perhaps with the help of donning a mask, much like David Jones did when he became David Bowie and then Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, what came first, the artifice or the artist? <laughs> Sorry. The egg. The egg, the yeah. Egg. The egg. I mean, the, the egg had to come fucking first. Oh, no, the answer is the egg. Because eggs existed for animals before chickens existed. Like chickens. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. Wow, okay. we're solving huge. This whole episode just needs to be called The Gang Solves the Egg. I would love if I was just wrong with that, but I feel confident. <laughs> <laughs> like there's some study. S- studies say I'm wrong and studies say I'm right, y'all. So that's how it goes. <laughs> studies say Jeremy Cohen is kind of right. <laughs> yeah. well uh moving on let's now take this mask for super literally japanese no theater it's one of the oldest forms of performance in the world and as far as i know it's the oldest form of theater still actively performed today a central element of no is the use of masks that are designed to show exaggerated and theatrical expressions that the audience will recognize as true and real human emotions. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that fascinating? In the exaggerated, we find something relatable and true. Hmm, how about that? And also, the thing, what a mask gives you, right? That power of immersing yourself in something so fully that you discover something so uh, essential is, is the crux of superhero origin stories. It is the essence of transformation. And it's also... <laughs> also what's going on in kink when partners engage in sexual play, especially if it involves heavy gear use like masks. Shouts to all my puppies and ponies playing out there. Kids, put your parents to bed. This is not a family show. Thank you. Okay. I think you were supposed to say that before the explicit shit. Right. <laughs> You're like, oh, here's some explicit stuff. Also. It's like make, make a joke about cannibalism. Content warning. Right. <laughs> a mask a costume an assumed identity these are powerful and transformative things they allow us to act and exist in ways we know and understand but otherwise wouldn't engage in perhaps a little bit like the anonymity of 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 the internet some some twittering or reddit posting some shit posting if you will they allow us to be more essential more base and in ways more human and unhonest than we would be otherwise. And that could be a little frightening as I just referenced. Yeah. I haven't personally worn a mask outside. <laughs> you know, like the ones, the ones we're talking about here <laughs> that could be taken out of context, but no, I haven't worn like, you know, a full on mask outside. Like even, you, don't, you don't go out wearing a disguise. No, but even just wearing a mustache, like I feel like I, it's a, a character. <laughs> Like I really, I walk differently. Are you even. talking about literal facial hair? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah, I wonder if if the mustached me is the truer me. <laughs> <laughs> These are 
your big questions, folks. Uh, folks, if you know Jerry, let us know. Is mustache Jerry real Jerry? Or, <laughs> yeah. or, is, clean, or is no mustache Jerry real Jerry? Yeah, big beard, no beard. Where wow. Am I? What, who am I? Fuck, we already see. Now we've got a metaverse. We got like, we have a metaverse for Bad Band Great Song. There's mustache Jerry, then there's no mustache Jerry. Right. Which one is real Jerry? I don't know. And I've known you since 2005. That's a good question. I mean, there's there's also Jerry and Jeremy, but that goes, that's, it gets even deeper. Okay, this all somehow leads us to Fozzie. <laughs> <laughs> Not Fozzie Bear. Not Fozzie Bear. I mean, I was ready to talk about Bowie for an hour and my mustache, but fine, let's get to. Yeah, well, this show isn't Fozzie. talking about good artists. All right. So this brings us to Fozzie, <laughs> a band whose story hinges on these concepts. Fozzie is a band that began its journey as a cover band and then a joke. A joke between friends, a Canadian-American professional wrestler, and a Southern American guitarist from an Atlanta, Georgia-based rap metal band, Stuck Love Joe. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we're here. I'm, of course, talking about Chris Jericho, professional wrestler and lead singer of Fozzie, and Rich Ward, Fozzie and Stuck Mojo's primary guitarist. Now, before we get too deep, I'd like to note the primary source for today's story, because... I won't be quoting a ton of articles today. Today's primary source is The History of Fozzie with Chris Jericho, an episode from Chris Jericho's podcast, Talk is Jericho. <laughs> this episode was originally published December 19th, 2018, and yes, Jericho himself, on his own show, is the highest profile and most detailed account of Fozzie's career. Don't be shocked, folks. But journalists are not seething and foaming at the mouth to recount the story of the rock band Fozzie. Yet here you and I are, foaming at the mouth to recount the story of the rock band Fozzie. Indeed we are, and as the story goes. From indie darlings to the majors, from half-filled smoky rooms to overstuffed stadiums filled with a sea of screaming fans... This is the journey with brutally broad strokes of a band, but it's also the trajectory of a professional wrestler. And indeed, professional wrestling and music have had a very strong connection once, at least once, entrance music became a thing. Ever since then, it's only increased. And going to a local indie wrestling show is not unlike going to a local punk show. That is to say, they're incredibly similar experiences. Both scenes thrive on camaraderie, a DIY work ethic, and a punk-like bucking of established trends. We should really start hitting up some local wrestling in New York. There has to be some, right? Like, I definitely know there's some underground boxing, <laughs> but well, I don't know. You're talking about the underground model boxing that used to happen here? or just Well, there's that, yeah, but there's yeah, more. Yeah. There's... There's real underground boxing. No, no, for sure, for sure, for sure. Not just models. <laughs> so there is actually... Is so there are local New York indie promo promotions, and I'm glad you brought that up because I'd love to shout it out right now. Jerry, I'm talking about ICW and Outlaw Wrestling, of course. They're a lot of fun. They... they Throw shows in Greenpoint. We should definitely go sometime. Let's fucking go. Yeah, no, you'd enjoy them. They're they're good. And I, I used to in. see people who are genuinely famous now on AEW television on TNT Wednesday nights. Crazy. Yeah, used to see Orange Cassidy, Nick Gage, all these people. It's crazy. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So. Anyway. Perhaps it isn't so surprising that many wrestlers would be rock stars if they could. One such wrestler is Chris Jericho. 
Now, for those who don't fully yet appreciate how far this metaphor of the mask and discovering truth through artifice goes, professional wrestlers, much like many rock stars, assume a persona, a persona they essentially play 24-7 and work very hard to present as who they actually are. And many times, their persona is indeed who they are, merely dialed up to 11, as they say. So, Chris Jericho, born Christopher Keith Irvine, was already quite familiar with being himself while also being a completely different person. And for those who don't fully yet get this, professional wrestling is a business built on deception. It's a business built on presenting fiction as fact. Professional, res- professional wrestling is magic. It is sleight of hand. It is storytelling. But it is also the legitimate execution of violent action. There's nothing fake about lifting, throwing, slamming, and falling. You can't fake moving in opposition to and eventually succumbing to gravity. So, professional wrestling, much like transformative ritualistic incantations, we talked about Bowie cocaine, pepper and milk, and and, (laughs) and magic and self-actualization. Professional wrestling, much like transformative ritualistic incantations, is a space where legitimate physical, legitimate physicality invokes and exists with the created reality. If y'all listening can't tell, Andrew loves wrestling. I thought about it a little bit. I yeah. thought about it a little bit. You, you know what? really, really like it. Pro wrestling introduced me to queerness and glam rock before I ever caught up with, like, yeah. cool music. I mean, before wrestling understood how queer and glam it was... It, was already pretty fucking fruity once colored tights and like you know good looking dudes who got the girls screaming and girls you know some guys pr- quietly privately screaming right uh, you've been pretty fucking fancy man <laughs> you know yeah it's certainly a choice to put that on your television it certainly is and boy what a choice i love to make <laughs> <laughs> uh moving on I'm surprised you were a wrestler in in high school. Did you do any wrestling? Schoolboy wrestling? (sighs) (laughs) Depending on how you mean that, I did a whole lot of schoolboy wrestling. No, I mean, like, you know, during PE. (laughs) I mean, I guess, yeah, I could go either way else. No, 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 no. My my school didn't offer that. I'd done Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is legitimate grappling. I would have loved to have done, like, you know, collegiate or folk-style wrestling. We didn't... My school wasn't big enough for that. Right, right. Um... Yeah, no, it's 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 some interesting stuff. I, you know, again, I saw Shawn Michaels ever before I knew who David Bowie was. You know, right, so right. It, it 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 imprinted upon me. <laughs> anyway, another interesting aspect to consider regarding this larger conversation about objective reality bumping bumping up against and enmeshing with created reality. Chris Jericho, the man, Chris Irvine, is Christian. And I don't mean he just, you know, believes in God in some typical Western American passive and assumed, well, doesn't everybody sort of way? I mean, he believes in capital G, God, an actual heaven and hell. He believes in a literal creator figure who has an active hand in his life. I'm sorry to any deeply religious folks who, for some strange reason, still happen to be listening to this show. But if it isn't clear by now, this religion stuff is like 
Game of fucking Thrones. We're talking about profoundly fantastical and magical things here. We're talking about real life, flesh and blood, human beings who in their minds accept that angels and demons. Thank you very much for that. That was kind of inspiring. I like forgot the song. Wieners, flaccid wieners, flaccid wieners, flaccid wieners, flaccid wieners. We're not going to start referencing other shows in this fucking show. One wiener next to another wiener. Let me let me bring this tiny little horse home so it can just just fuck my wife for a little bit, please. Okay, we're talking about profoundly fantastical and magical things here, right? This is what I'm. This is what I'm saying about the Christian thing. Chris Jericho is an individual. He's a flesh and blood human being whose mind accepts that angels and demons are real, that eternal salvation in the heavens alongside God or eternal damnation in the depths of hell being tormented by an actual Satan of the devil is real. We're talking about fucking gods and monsters here. This is huge stuff. The tangent, I don't mean to be making fun of it, even though I am. What I'm really trying to say is these are human beings who are deeply religious, exist in realities where the tangible and intangible are given equal weight. The objective, mundane, second-to-second reality of I'm farting, I'm going to go eat, I'm going to masturbate now, then I'm going to get back to my work-from-home Zoom meetings. You know, and then the most unbelievably grand thing, God... These live. These are people where those realities live side by side within one another comfortably. You know nothing, Chris Jericho. <laughs> Where's your God now? <laughs> Why do I bring this up? Tell me. <laughs> because this man has become famous for presenting truth through artifice. He's been a practicing Christian since birth with a small break and returning to it at age 16 and never straying from the path since. His brain is primed for living comfortably and successfully in created spaces. Anybody is who believes in a literal heaven and hell and actual religion, spirituality, and magic. If someone accepts that stuff is real, which is fine if that's what you do, their very reality is quite different from mine. Supernatural things occur when magical thinking is real, as far as the thinker is concerned. Jericho is also a born-again Christian, by the way, specifically a born-again Christian, a very fervent sect of Christianity, as confirmed by an interview with (laughs) peoplejustlikeus.org, which no longer exists, but it has been archived, thankfully, by a profoundly bizarre website, australiansportsentertainment.com, which I've explored, and I wish I could do as a deep dive on that website right now, but I can't because it would be insane. I'm so curious now. Australiansportsentertainment.com. Yeah, sports entertainment is the is the anesthetized, uh, Disneyified WWE way to refer to wrestling. Sports oh, entertainment. Sports, okay. Vince McMahon doesn't oh, like wrestling. He doesn't like professional wrestling. He likes sports entertainment. Yeah. But oh. there's also a weird, like, there are secret pages in this website. So now we're talking about the website. But there's secret pages in the in the website that are all dedicated to, like, God-fearing celebrities. It's very weird. It's a very weird website, and we cannot talk yeah. about it anymore. All right, I'll go. I'll visit later. Another reason this is important all to, important to note is at its core, Fozzie is a Christian rock band. And I think now that we have two 
Christian rock episodes in a row, and there's going to be more to come, folks. I think we need some sort of like Christian rock sound, you know? What? Do we, though? No, we do. We I do. Don't know. We'll figure it out eventually. We'll see. Uh, my, <sighs> we'll see. Anyway, <sighs> threads. <laughs> I hope you're smoking, folks. Threads. They hold things together. Anyway, if this all sounds grand, and it is, if it all sounds like I'm reaching, I'm not. This, what we're discussing, these ideas, they are at play whether you acknowledge them or not. Magical thinking happens with creative endeavors, whether we want them to or not. Creative workflows and spaces can be hypnotic and strange, even ritualistic, even, quote, religious, and donning a mask can help to enhance these creative and magical endeavors. Perception is powerful. Yeah, I've certainly developed some strange rituals while writing this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Dude, so have I, and I would explain them now, but I'm not trying to push how far, what the limits of this explicit rating our podcast has. I'm not, uh, yeah, <laughs> we can say that for the OnlyFans. <laughs> That's what we should do. We should do an OnlyFans instead of a Patreon. <laughs> Not going to dedicate time to this right now. Moving on. Something we'll look at here soon is Fozzie's transformation from wearing the mask to removing the mask. And we're going to look at the consequences and also the triumphs of removing the mask. But before we get there, Chris Jericho, the Canadian-American professional wrestler, has to meet Rich Ward the Southern American new metal guitarist. And they did meet at a wrestling-themed music video shoot for Stuck Mojo's song, Rising, which featured fellow WCW wrestler Diamond Dallas Page. But nothing other than some kind conversation came from that. Which is also, unsurpri unsurprisingly, a terrible song and a terrible video. Yeah, it's not very good. Stuck Mojo is a weird band, folks. If you want to give Stuck Mojo a shot... Uh, listen to a song called Not Promised Tomorrow. That's like the one Stuck Mojo song that uh, I, I feel is, is pretty fucking good. You'll be all right if you don't <laughs> check it out. You'll be totally fine. Yeah, you will be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll definitely keep living. Well, after that music video, coincidentally, Jericho later saw Stuck Mojo open for Testament in 1998 in Orlando. But it wasn't until a series of shows in San Antonio and then Greensville when Jericho and Ward actually would become friends. At the Greensville Stuck Mojo show, Jericho and Ward got to talking, and they connected over their shared love of... <sighs> Christian, quote, metal band Striper, Journey, and also ACDC. It was then when Rich Ward told Chris Jericho, quote, hey, we got this, uh, we got this uh, cover band called Fozzy Osbourne. <laughs> Ward tells him it's, quote, no pressure and very loose. Fozzy Osbourne, with Jericho on lead vocals, played their first two shows at the Hangar in Marietta, Georgia which, according to Jericho, led to a bit of a bidding war over Fozzie, one that resulted in the band signing to the legendary Megaforce Records with a $75,000 advance on their debut album. Or at least Jericho thinks <laughs> thinks it was a $75,000 advance. So take that figure with a grain of salt. Megaforce has a pretty serious roster. I wouldn't I would be surprised if they pulled that much, at, le at least for a band. Yeah, I mean, and also at that time, Chris Jericho, he was on WWF television. This is at a time when Monday Night Raw would be in the 
would be within the top five most viewed shows for Monday night. Guaranteed records sold right there. Yeah, some records sold at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, speaking about that, about his time at the the World Wrestling Federation, with Jericho being a wrestler and Rich Ward still being in Stuck Mojo, Fozzie was seen as a lighthearted side project. And that was something all parties were aware of, but that would soon begin to change a bit. This brings us to the year 2000. (laughs) 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 That might hit for some people, I don't know. Anyway, Jericho was already a 10-year veteran of the professional wrestling industry. He had competed internationally, won the respect of peers, became a smart fan favorite, held tertiary and secondary championships, but had yet to really reach his creative height in the business. He wasn't being fed feuds that stimulated him. He wasn't on top of the card, and his overall arc and long-term storyline was stalling. He was at the top of the mid-card in very late Attitude Era WWF. He was someone the fans were behind, but the company didn't really fully value not that they really fully value any of their wrestlers, but I guess that's a whole nother conversation. Wow, do you stay up to date with wrestling like news? What do you? No, I mean it's a long, it's a long, long issue with uh, the WWE that they're infamously not so nice to their wrestlers. They no, they're not. They're not compensate nice to employees. Them, yeah, they don't compensate them appropriately. They don't have. I, they they treat them like freelancers. I mean, it's basically yep. Uber. Yep. Wow, Jeremy, I love you so much, buddy. I love you <laughs> so much. You really see. I knew. I knew we did a good thing by yeah, doing this remember, show together. I don't remember why I know that, but it's definitely like I. I just know that you it know just, it because you're a good person. And they also actually just recently released a ton of people. They released like really? a ton of people. They keep cutting really good talent. But that's we're not. This is not. We're not. Yeah, yeah. One of those sycophant wrestling podcasts. Anyway. Currently, stuck rather concurrently, Stuck Mojo was on the brink of self-destruction. In 2000, they released their final album, at the time, Declaration of a Headhunter. Headhunter was one of those albums that, in hindsight, is a sign of the times. Kinda like The Replacements' last record. Uh. All shook down, and if you folks at home were like, is he drawing parallels? Between the replacements and stuck mojo? Oh, yes, I am. Oh, and it feels good. Hear me out, though. Hear me out. Hear me out. All Shook Down is clearly a Paul Westerberg solo record branded as the Matt's final record. Stuck Mojo's Declaration of a Headhunter, unlike their previous albums, was written 100% by guitarist Rich Ward. Longtime and iconic Stuck Mojo frontman Bonds was not involved in the writing of the album, as he and Ward were amidst a massive falling out. So, with all parties involved thoroughly frustrated, Fozzie became the glam metal party band Jericho and Ward always wanted. Aw, dreams do come true. Don't, kids at home, don't, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Dreams do come true. And the boyhood dream comes true! That's, sorry, that's, I'm not going to get into wrestling. All right, anyway. Anyway. Whew, chill, I'm just cooling out now. In the year 2000, Fozzie released their self-titled debut album on Megaforce Records, which at the time, and still is, part of Sony's Red Distribution. Their self-titled debut album was mostly covers featuring two actual originals written by Fozzie, and Fozzie at the time was simply stuck mojo without their rapper Bonds, 
but with professional wrestler Chris Jericho. And this is when the joke would truly crystallize and become so much more. Being a fan of cinema, offbeat humor, and having a certain taste for strangeness, Jericho and co. reimagined their cover band, Fozzie Osborne, which, by the way, I have to imagine, I couldn't find this. Fozzie Osborne had to come from, like, fake Ozzy. Fake Ozzy fake Osborne. Ozzy, Fozzie, yeah, yeah. Fo- Fozzie, right? 100%. That has not been detailed anywhere. Really? Yeah. He never says that. That's not brought up at any point why the fo- why Fozzie's Fozzie and not just like, yeah, no, you know, that's like, fully... hey, we're, hey, I, we got this Ozzy cover band called Crazy Train, you know, no, right, we're called no. Fozzie Osborne. Fully assumed. Okay, good. Glad. Okay, thank you. At least thank for you. me. No, that was a sanity check. You make, you, that, you just were my totem. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. Fully, fully assumed the F is for fake Ozzy. So their cover band, Fake fake Ozzy, Fozzy right. Osborne, became an actual band named Fozzy. Here's where things get real fake. Fake, real, real fake. Fozzy, as their story would go, was a band that signed a terrible deal and was trapped, locked in an oppressive contract over in Nippon. That's Japan. And Fozzy was trapped in Japan for 20 years only to finally reemerge in America in the year 2000. This is when the, quote, legendary Fozzie discovered that all their material had been stolen by the likes of the Scorpions and, of course, Ozzy Osbourne. To support this created reality, the band assumed theatrical identities. Chris Irvine, who at the time was still performing on TV and in real life as Chris Jericho, became Moongoose McQueen. Moongoose McQueen was, of course, the legendary frontman for the legendary band Fozzie. All right, so just to make this timeline clear, a fifty-one-year-old, <laughs> a fifty-year-old man today said twenty-one years ago at age twenty-nine that his band was trapped in Japan for twenty years. Yes. Yeah. So the band had to have signed this terrible deal. When when he was nine or so, that that makes sense. Checks okay, out. Okay, cool. Makes total sense. Got it. Well, so one thing I will push back on is we don't know how old Moongoose McQueen is. Oh, right. We don't. Okay, right. We don't know how old Moongoose McQueen is. You were, Chris Jericho and Chris Irvine just happen to be the same age, but I don't know how old Moongoose McQueen is. Makes sense. Right? It does make sense. That makes all it? the sense now. Yes. So, the lore Fozzie invented, the gimmick the band assumed, and the new characters played by the members were all fully embraced by the band and their label. This idea hit its peak when they created the Spinal Tap-inspired mockumentary, Fozzie, Unleashed, Uncensored, Unknown, which debuted on MTV. And was released by Megaforce. Mm -hmm. This is arguably, arguably, the most objectively cool the band has ever been. I'll argue that. <laughs> when were they cooler than this? No point <laughs> at all. They were never cooler than this. This <laughs> is like a fun, cheesy, weird story that has so much potential. Right. Cool. Cool. Okay. 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 Got you. I had to make sure we were on the same page there. Yeah. So about a minute and a half into this mockumentary, we're not going to cover the whole thing, folks. I just want to give you a taste of what you should expect if you see this. So about a minute and a half into the mockumentary, we're greeted by none other 
than Sebastian fucking Bach of Skid Row, who adoringly and sincerely proclaims, I always wanted to be like Fo- the next Fozzie because to me, Fozzie was the coolest band. Yeah, well, Sebastian Bach will get in front of a camera <laughs> at any camera. He just jumps. He'll, he'll, he loves a guest spot. And I would watch young Sebastian Bach in front of any camera. Ah. I, said, I said I was going to make this that kind of episode. I'm sorry. It been that. <sighs> Bonk. Anyway, this <laughs> The mockumentary goes on to feature the Eat the Rich music video, which was shot as part of this production. It's a typical 1980s-style, quote, live video that's actually a very contrived and orchestrated typical music video where multiple takes of a single shot are done till it's done right. And this is all done at the expense of the audience who is there to perform being excited. I can't imagine being in the audience for a music video shoot. Like, that can't be very fun. Seems terrible. It seems terrible, right? Just listening to the same song over and over and over again. It's in ways kind of like going to a taping of WWE Monday Night Raw. I've been there. It's really boring. I've been there. It's, really? Yeah, it's like being at a music video shoot for like a fake live video. This It's all for the end TV audience. Right. It's not for the live audience. Wow. It's very rough. It's rough, man. Live. Really? Yeah, and so non-televised or pay-per-views are better for the WWE if you want to go check it out live. I mean, this is might be a dumb, but is it like worse than baseball? <laughs> Because <laughs> that's like the worst experience for I me. Think it's like going it, to a baseball game. No, I think it's, well, I will say it's worse than baseball because you wouldn't expect it to be as boring as it is. Right. So people go right. expecting it. A, and a, like an figurative pyrotechnics as well as literal, and, and they just end up sitting around for a lot. Uh, yeah, but rough. I mean, at least they like throw each other instead of just like run around in fucking circles. <laughs> like maybe if they're lucky, they get to run around in a whole circle. <laughs> so I can... <laughs> Eat the Rich was, of course, a cover and originally released in 1983 by the band Crocus. Crocus. Crocus is a Swiss hard rock and heavy metal band. And when I say heavy metal in this context it's heavy metal in the priest and maiden influenced new wave of british heavy metal sort of heavy metal so imagine that type of music uh with a bit more of some acdc crunchiness and a bluesy stomp and a, and quite a quite a bit of of brian johnson uh the, the, the ACDC vocalist after bon scott quite a bit of brian johnson in the vocals as well that all may be reductive but it's Crocus we're talking about. And, and that should really give you a fair understanding of Crocus. And you know what? Crocus and Eat the Rich. This might be a future episode. How about that? There's no way that that's how it's pronounced. What do you think? What do you think? Swiss. It's Crocus? It's probably like Crocus. <laughs> Crocus. <laughs> Crocus. <laughs> Crocus. Beware the Crocus. Crocus. And Crocus. The metal band, by the way, was named for the flower. So I guess we should actually see how the flower is pronounced. I can't believe I didn't think to do that. How about that indeed? I didn't look up the name of the fucking flower. You're learning things Mm -hmm. and I'm not, folks. How about that indeed? Ah, ha, ha, ha. 
Let's get back to Fozzie. Uh, this mockumentary features fun and well-acted bits. It's a labor of love. It's got good world building and, I argue, kind of high-level. It's, it's at the end of the day, the whole package was kind of high-level marketing, the sort of stuff that we just simply expect today. So, simply put, these videos are fucking awesome and you really should watch them. If you want a brief primer, I say you really should be going into this expecting uh, totally understated, very dry, Spinal Tap-esque band humor and bits, and it absolutely delivers. This mockumentary is arguably the greatest piece of media they ever put out, period. I'm not, I'm not kidding any of you when I say it, it actually reaches frighteningly close to Christopher Guest and Rob Reiner territory. Nobody's going to want to actually say that it actually does that. I will, and it's shockingly well executed and lovingly put together. Luckily, making a good film doesn't make a good band. <laughs> no, it definitely doesn't. Oh, man. But it was, you know, I brought up that it was released on, on Megaforce, but uh, just bringing it up again, like, the you know, the record label put out this mockumentary. Right, they produced right. it and put it out. So it, it is high-level marketing, it quite is. literally, like, from the label. That's a very good point. I thank you for... Thank you for underscoring that. Yeah. It, it, so it was very forward thinking in that way. Cause again, there's a lot of very purposeful multimedia, high level marketing that goes on today. That's what, right. You know, uh, anyway, we don't need to lecture y'all on modern music. That's not what we're here for. <laughs> so when you're all done with this folks, go YouTube the shit out of Fozzie Unleashed. It's three parts long, but each part's only eight or nine minutes. It's, 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 it's it skips along. So after this, Fozzie then released Happenstance in 2002, which was another album made under the original Fozzie gimmick. Like their debut, it consisted mostly of covers with a few originals. This would be their last album, by the way, for Megaforce Records. Now we'll get into this more a little later, but frankly, I wish the band stayed here and this created reality, you know? I think to become a real band and as po-faced as they are now, it sapped them of a, a very wry and devilish energy. I even argue that becoming a, quote, real band has limited them, perhaps more than they realize, but we could, have, we could also save that for later. Fozzie would go on to drop his gimmick, however, and indeed become a real band. Seeing Jericho also retire the Moongoose McQueen name and backstory. Bye-bye, Moongoose. See you later, Mongoose. This transformative moment came in 2003, before competing against Howard Stern's celebrity band, The Losers, in a short-lived annual Battle of the Bands Stern would throw. Before going on stage, they said, Hey, let's not wear those wigs. Let's not wear the parts of the outfit that we wouldn't wear. Let's not play a character. Now that's not a direct quote, <laughs> but this is. In Chris Jericho's own words, quote, we're a great rock and roll band. <laughs> what a G. Yo, actually, you gotta believe in yourself. Bet on yourself. You, you really got to. It's true. If you don't, no one else will. Right? So Jericho recounts this event often, and he will see, he believes a lot of things because the authenticity of his memories are often questioned by those who were there. Jericho likes to say that his band smoked Stearns, but Stern won anyway because it was his show. Jericho goes on to claim that due to this undeniable snub, Stern was like, I'm never doing this Battle of the Bands again. 
Those closer to Stern, however, adamantly report that Stern was always planning on ending the battle after 2003. <laughs> he was tired of it. He didn't like putting it together, and he didn't like the competition. He just wasn't into it. Uh, he's stated as much. Actually, there's like record of him stating as much, but whatever. They also note that Fozzie did do well, but that Stern's band, The Losers, did actually win that night. He could actually sing. He's a super. He's a superhero. Fart man. <laughs> he is a superhero. He's a superhero too. Yeah, triple threat. Radio host, singer, fart man. Yeah, dude. Who else has that trifecta going on? It's true. Biggest. Watch out, Beyonce. What, <laughs> one of the biggest interviewers of all time, a fucking band, and he's a superhero. Outstanding. Crazy stuff here, man. Anyway, this was the, however it went, this was the event that changed Fozzie. For better and definitely, definitely for worse, too. After this, however, Jericho would continue to wrestle. By now, he was a former world champion and also the WWF's first ever undisputed world champion, holding both the WCW and WWF championships simultaneously. In addition to winning his profession's top prize, he went on to settle scores with more personal and creatively fulfilling feuds. It's in 2003 when the first seeds were planted for his long-running feud with one of his heroes, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. But by 2005, Jericho was on his way out of the territory, as they say. On August 25th, 2005, Jericho's contract with the now WWE expired. What came next was Fozzie's 2005 album, all That Remains. This album is regarded by the band as their first real record. This was the first, full, full, the first full-fledged foray into the sonic world of Fozzie. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Yeah, that's quite a sentence. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. And, now, I admit I kind of don't hate the first track, Nameless Face- Faceless. I know. I'm so, sorry. <laughs> this should call everything I say into question moving forward. But things get very dark and murky right after that track. Yeah, even the Zach Wilde song sucks. Dude, I originally had a whole it. thing written about that, and I deleted it because I was like, I'm not going to talk about this. But yeah, even even Zach Daddy couldn't save. Couldn't save him. He could not save. Speaking of, oh my God, young Zach Wilde was so fucking hot. Uh, and like, I guess older not... bearded Zach. Well, I'm sorry, I'm going to stop. This is so cr- Ah, Anyway. <sighs> it's cooling off right now. Okay. <laughs> All That Remains was released via what appears to be a true indie label. Ash Records. Ash Records has nearly no footprint on the internet, but through some careful digging private investigator Andrew Finelli, I can infer it's a very small label that was either started by cellist Adam Hurst, or at least Hurst was super close to Ash Records and is the only name that really seems to be uh, attached to it and can still be pinned on it in any way at all. But whatever. From that album on, Fozzie would take a five-year break. Jericho once again returned to the WWE from 2007 through 2010. During this time, he returned to top-level feuds, including his long-running storyline with the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels. He was was he using uh, was he using Fozzie as his entrance entrance music at this point yet? 
No, definitely not, because the WWE wouldn't be able to... Well, one, he hadn't written it yet, and two, right. they just wouldn't have allowed that. The w, First of all, sorry, let me back up. He didn't write it at all, so the song just didn't exist then. Yeah, no, but I, well, not specifically Judas, just any Fozzie song. No, 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 no. The WWE had music that they owned that he came right, out right, to. Right. Uh, I think it's called Break the Walls Down. It, it's an iconic theme, which is impressive that he got his new theme over as well as he did. Yeah, I remember there were CDs of entrance music. You could absolutely buy. was. Yeah. yeah. WWF The Music Volume 2. Oh, right. Volume 3. I volume Oh, yeah, those. dude. I bought those in Tower Records. Uh, yeah. I remember yeah. seeing them in Tower Records. There you go. <laughs> the same Tower Records. And a CD that may have came out in Tower Records because it was still, it was still, I think, around then at the time, or at least Virgin was, right? In 2010? CD stores were still existed then, didn't they? Didn't I mean, they? Not Virgin and Times Square and not... Oh, shit. Not Tower and Lincoln Center, the, like the ones that we're talking oh, about. fuck. Those weren't around in 2010, for sure not. Oh, never mind then. All right, well, so Fozzie came back with an album that wasn't released in Tower Records in 2010. <laughs> it was 2010's <laughs> Chasing the Grail, an album that was released um, and bought by some people. Some people, some people bought it. Chasing the Grail was released via Riot. I was trying to account for the exclamation point in their name. Riot Entertainment, a label based in Australia which doesn't seem to exist anymore. It was a mix of local Aussie artists, artists while also serving as a Warner-fueled distribution service to Australia and New Zealand. Some, so it's time, it's time, folks, for our favorite game. Was it an indie? Well, yeah, yeah, in Australia, but they also served as some local distribution for major label American metal acts, so was it an indie? But you know what? That doesn't matter that they served as that distribution because they weren't propped up and funded by Warner. So I'm going to say, yeah, they're an indie. And they signed Fozzie, by the way, not Warner, actually. Fozzie was, in fact, Riot, Entertain Riot Entertainment's first international signing. Yeah, different cows. I, I wonder how big the WWE is in Australia. Is that Do they have their own... It's probably pretty... I mean, they definitely have their own wrestling. Pro wrestling is actually currently having a renaissance in, in Australia and New Zealand. It wasn't very big. It's bigger now with the prevalence of like New Japan and how popular wrestling is in, in uh, you know Eastern Asian countries that are closer to Australia. Right, right. So that now it's like really going through a thing, but it's definitely a territory, <laughs> territory that the WWE would probably hit like once a year, you know, if that. Okay, okay. Um, Got it. I think it's it was largely pretty mocked and laughed at by folks who live there. I know my buddy Harrison, you know, was like, Oi, you like that fucking shit? Uh, and I was like, yeah, dude, I like seeing guys in tights touch each other, man. I'm like, what's going on? Uh, <laughs> you know? Anyway. You know, there's better videos than wrestling <laughs> for that. <laughs> and, and they're like free. Yeah. Yeah. I have some on my phone, actually, that uh, I made myself. Anyway. <laughs> it's the content for our OnlyFans. Oh, gosh. Anyway, after that, Fozzie released 2012's Sin and Bones. It is their first for Century Media. And in 2012, Century Media was a true indie. But by 2015, it was acquired by Sony. Meaning, since Fozzie is still on Century, Fozzie's back in the majors, baby. Dreams come true. Dreams come true. But back to 2012, 
Sin and Bones is also of note because it debuted at number one on the Billboard Heatseekers chart. This makes it the band's biggest first week for an album of all original material. This album is also the band's debut in the Billboard Top 200 chart, peaking at number 143. September 1st, 2012 is when these charting records were published, by the way. Another dream is being on the Billboard Heat Seekers chart. Yeah, one of their 20,000 charts. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, what is that? What does that chart even fucking mean? It's in the top 200 Billboard top 200 charts. Then you get on the Heat Seekers? It's in the top 200 of the charts. Oh, it's, it's in the top 200. <laughs> 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 The Billboard chart 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 chart. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yes. Now I get it. The Billboard yeah. chart chart chart. Well, speaking of chart chart charts, Sin and Bones did not produce a single that charted, despite being an album that charted well. Fozzie eventually released 2014's Do You Want to Start a War? Also on Century, which included Fozzie's first single to chart. I am referring to the song Lights Out, which peaked at number 29 on the Billboard U.S. Mainstream Rock Chart. chart. Ah! That album also includes the song Bad Tattoo, which just fits this band so fucking well. Especially since Monsieur Jericho has a couple of Fozzie tattoos himself, with a big old F on his hand. Yes, he does. To rep Fozzie, and then he's like, oh, I'll come out with a song Bad Tattoo. Definitely not about my... <laughs> Definitely not about my giant F on my hand that represents the band that I'm singing a song Bad Tattoo on him. It's also like a poorly done F. It does not look good. No, it does. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. He definitely doesn't get a touch. Whatever. F in the chat for that one. But anyway, so is Lights Out. <laughs> what was our F in the dial three? three. Dial three. Dial Only T9 three. kids know. It's true. Yeah. Only the T- <laughs> T9 gang. Dial three. In the chat. Look at that, so many, so many references from this episode alone. T9 kids know. T9 gang. T9 gang. T9 gang! Ah! Anyway, so is Lights Out Fozzie's biggest song to date? In 2014? Yeah. That, well, uh, nah, that's frankly debatable. I don't know. Very debatable. It's an atrocious song, actually. It's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... But it has a riff that starts to kind of sort of scratch at the surface of what makes a riff like the one in Judas work so well. Let's see about that. (laughs) Again, folks, I hope you're happy about this whole host agree-disagree thing, because... We'll see about. We'll see. We, we're going to see about that. We'll I'm going to see, see it, but I, how I can make you think about the chonkiness and the catchiness of that riff. Anyway. Chonk charts. In fact, the chonk charts. In fact, Fozzie didn't have another single to chart at all until they released Judas, which leads me to really believe that once they heard that riff for Judas, they knew they had a better version of Lights Go Out when it comes to an earworm hooky riff. And yeah, yep, as we said earlier, they didn't write Judas, folks. Mm -mm. The band did not write the song that this entire episode is about. The band did not write their biggest and most iconic song. It was a song written for a totally different band, <laughs> but ultimately done by Fozzie. We're going to talk about that more in a little bit. Of course they didn't write it. Nope. 
nope, nope, nope. More on that when we get to the song's creation. Oh, oh, and by the way, first charting single, Lights Out, is basically, it's basically just more heavily processed hard rock, pretending to be metal, but this time with a chorus that's pretending to be a club banger. <laughs> so, after two more songs that failed to chart, One Crazed Anarchist and Do You Want to Start a War, Fozzie went on another hiatus, one that would lead to their biggest moment yet. From 2014 through 2017, Jericho would go on to have some of his biggest moments in the WWE. This stretch of time included his most recent and so far final, and possibly final run, possibly final run, AEW, baby, the list of Jericho. That was his final WWE run. And, uh, you know, so who knows? He may not be going back at all. Dynamite, baby, we're here. It is real. Well, it sounds a little less like a hiatus and more becoming like a hiatus for the band and more becoming really big in the world of WWE. Like he just had a lot of a lot of stuff going on there, which is pretty cool for him, but had to have sucked for the band. That's true. That is definitely one way of looking at it. You know, and again, this is not a story that journalists have been like dying to tell. So what really happened there to the band going hiatus or did he just focus more on wrestling because things were killing he was killing it there? A little bit of both, right? You know? Sure. Anyway, after ending his list of Jericho WWE run on August on October thirteenth, twenty seventeen, Fozzie released their most recent and seventh album, also for Century Media and now technically Sony. I'm of course talking about the album Judas. The album Judas not shockingly features the song Judas, and much like Semisonic, the band that features friend of the show Dan No Pun Wilson, uh. Judas starts the album off. That's right, folks. The song that's sequenced first is not only the best song on the album, it's the only song with any real redeeming qualities. <laughs> and they are making sure that there is no chance you miss it. It really seems like a label decision, maybe, huh? Less of a creative choice from a creative talented band i would have to agree with you on that one jeremy Cohn. Mm. and indeed though people did not miss this track it's fozzy's biggest single to date and that is something we will discuss more when we wrap up segment two but let me sum things up by saying judas went on to carry the band from 2017 through now and it's in many ways still actively carrying the band one huge reason for that is in Jericho's post-WWE career, he's used Judas as his entrance theme. He does this in Japan's New Japan Pro Wrestling and America's All Elite Wrestling. It's NJPW and AEW. As we'll explore later, this song is an anthem for wrestling fans, something that the good old smarks on R squared circle love to hate on in the live thread and posts. It's jumped the shark with the smarks, you see. Yeah, hi, Reddit spelled with a W. I lurk. Uh, I'm Papa H pointing at you all right now. What? Oh, those are those are those are wrestling Reddit memes. You just, okay? Word. You, I thought I was on Reddit a lot, but you just completely lost me. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, that's what that's what I do. That's what I do. I just leave leave you in the dust when it comes to wrestling nerdery. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> Jericho used this post WWE period that he's actually currently thriving in yeah. to more act more actively weave Fozzie and professional wrestling together. Again, Judas is his entrance song. Those realities are inextricably linked. Hmm? Realities combining. How about that? Oh, interesting, huh? Threads, as I said. They hold they hold things together. It sounds like they got the royalties worked out. <laughs> it's, Yes, they did. They did. 
Anyway, there's a lot to think about in this episode, folks. Lots to lots to rip a bong over. Speaking of, we got to start writing in little smoking breaks for us. Where does it go? Okay. Well, let's go. Let's go. Right. Fozzie continued to tour and even prepare for a new album. But then this funny thing happened in 2020 that put a stop to all that rock and roll nonsense. Among, you know, other things, of course. <laughs> yeah, other stuff. Yeah, other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Chris Jericho spent time in quarantine hosting his Saturday night special live streams on YouTube. And that's all well and good. But the next thing he'd become known for regarding the COVID is not so good. You mean a God-fearing man may have some other questionable beliefs or values? (laughs) (laughs) You don't say. All right. Well, listen, so we don't want to get into ad hominem attacks here on the show. That's not what this show is actually about, believe it or not, folks. I know you, if you may have listened to our last episode on POD, maybe you're like, huh, really, Finelli? Really? But no, we're not about that. Uh, You know, if you've been with us so far, you probably know that we make our feelings heard, especially me, especially if you have hateful beliefs in politics, as I just started to reference. But hopefully it's also clear that we don't just say X band is bad because we don't like them. We work hard to say things like, you know, the band is bad because they lack musicianship and it isn't made up for with with character and or songwriting quality. We don't like them because. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we don't like them because they're bad and they're bad because is the point. Absolutely. Sorry. Another example of supported so, criticism, which is what I'm trying to talk about, Jeremy. Is which is what we're doing, the, and that's the point. And another example of that would be saying that the general songwriting quality is poor because lyrics are rooted in cliches. The chorus doesn't fit the song. That's what we try to do here. That's all broad and quick, but that that's, I'm saying we try to do our research, make an argument, and then support that argument with things that we can actually call out and point to, and then it's up to you to draw your own conclusions because thinking is fun. It's true. Like I always say, think and then think again. <laughs> God, gotta live life two bites at a time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But to help understand what we're about to discuss, I'm going to have to point this stuff out that is going to start to seem ad hominem Jericho used to be a COVID denier. Outright, there's no disputing it. He featured COVID-19 misinformation on his podcast with episodes like February 19th, 2020's episode titled Coronavirus, Quarantine or Conspiracy. He had truthers on the show. He gave them a form. That's all you really need to know. Jericho isn't a denier anymore. Thank fucking goodness. Yeah, really. But he was, and that undoubtedly helped to inform how hardcore wrestling fans interpreted the event's we're about to discuss. Fozzie chose to play the illustrious Sturgis Motorcycle Rally 2020 held in the city of Sturgis, South Dakota. It ran from August 7th through the 16th of 2020, offering, quote, 10 days nights of riding, food, and music. Some standout acts that played this year's Sturg- that year's Sturgis Mo- Motorcycle Rally include... Oh boy, Trapped, Night Ranger, Saliva, Lit, Drowning Pool, Quiet Riot, Bone Thugs in Harmony, Smash Mouth, and Buckcherry. In short, a whole bunch of shitty fucking bands. And then Bone Thugs in Harmony. It was just 
So bizarre. Like, what? Yeah. <clears throat> Needless to say, Fozzie being a band that has awareness in the wrestling community, there was backlash, and rightfully so. For those who don't know and don't understand why what, what I said, what this all means, the hardcore wrestling fan base is actually a very conscientious and, dare I say, woke crowd, something people mm. holding on to a traditional stereotype of wrestling fans is probably shocked to learn. I'm shocked to learn. I actually mm-hmm. had no mm-hmm. idea. I generally thought the, that entire fan base would have been totally fine with playing Sturgis Rally in the height of the pandemic. Yeah, man, it's a lot of anime and Comic-Con people are into pro wrestling now. It's very oh, like... Oh, right. Yeah. And there's a lot of... the, the That's the, like the queerness that used to be like unintentionally part of wrestling is now a big deal. Wrestlers like Effie, you know, was, an, was openly gay and Sunny Kiss and AEW on mainstream television. Oh. Uh, a non, non-binary professional wrestler it's really impressive there's dark chic who's a trans uh woman who's a deathmatch wrestler and just wrestled nick gage um and she's out there getting smashed and cut with light tubes and pizza cutters and crazy yeah it's 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 crazy pro wrestling community has changed a lot but anyway about this sturgis rally There's more folks. Always is with this guy. It always is. Always is. You should come to expect that by now, you know? This guy. On Wednesday, September 2nd, 2020, Rachel Maddow, Daddy Maddow, tweeted out <laughs> a link to watching a WAPO article about a 60-year-old biker who attended the show and died of COVID-19. No joke. It's serious shit. 400,000 people attended this event, the Sturgis Bike Rally in 2020, and there were at least 260 confirmed cases in 11 states that were linked to the Sturgis Bike Rally. However... Some controversy came after this. There was a study that said the rally could have caused 250,000 cases. That was misinterpreted and then misreported by other media outlets as proven fact and not merely speculation based on a study. Many media outlets misinformed folks here. Yeah, it was definitely a, like, worst case scenario possibility that was the point of the study yeah absolutely and you know on top of it we pretty much knew nothing about the whole fucking thing at that point as well exactly so this misunderstanding of reality and again we're talking about realities a lot in this episode this misunderstanding of reality is actually regularly parroted throughout the internet wrestling community and, and used as a way to take swipes at jericho which listen he should be criticized for playing it but it wasn't a super spreader event like some folks think it was. Uh, and, and specifically on Twitter and, and also hi again, squared circle on Reddit. Hi, hi, pipe bombing your asses right now. Yeah, that's another wrestling me. We'll, we'll okay, talk about it later. Good, right. Yeah, that yeah, exactly. Like pipe bombing your asses is not the next, it's not the name of my next OnlyFans. Hi, um, our entry. FBI guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, while I'm not someone to stick up for celebrities, I do not like there to be misunderstandings. I like to clear up misunderstandings and get facts out in the open. So listen, if you want to look into it on your own folks and you should, you always should. There are Snopes, uh, Snopes and Slate both have articles published unpacking the Sturgis misunderstanding and misinformation and just leveling awareness with that. Um, so again, I would like to say, uh, repeat it. We do this show. We do not support condone playing that show at that time. Jericho should be criticized for that, but we just don't want misinformation going about. 
Um, oh, yeah. And by the way, Sturgis 2021, it's coming, baby. It's coming. Maybe even, it may have even already happened by the time you folks at home are listening to this show. I don't know. I'm looking it up and buying us tickets right <laughs> now. <laughs> VIP passes, backstage passes, the whole thing. I'm making it happen. <laughs> Oh, phenomenal. Cannot wait. That's going to be a really great place for you and me to be, Jeremy. Yeah, you're anyway. going to love South Dakota. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to love me. So, listen, folks, are we saying the band is bad because of all this? No. But does a band's choices become part of its legacy? And does that legacy have an effect on how the band is viewed? Absolutely. And this was, sadly, a notable moment in the band's career. That, however, is not the end of Fozzie's story. <laughs> Fozzie's story is, I believe far from over. It's a story still being written as the band is still active. I wonder if they're going to do Sturgis again. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think that might, it's either conflicted. They have, they're, they got a tour. They're, we'll talk about that in a second. Oh, it's happening right now. It's, oh my God. Right Sturgis now? Sturgis is literally right now. Amazing. As we're recording this. Amazing. What wonderful timing. Well, you know, actually, Jericho's like, was like a 21 year debut, uh, a 21 year anniversary of his like, debut in the WWF. Actually, it was like a week ago. A lot of funny conf- yeah, confluence of things here. 21, huh? That's what she said? Because this is the 80, 81 for Sturgis. Wow. Numbers are freaky. Numbers. They're the only <laughs> real thing. <laughs> Speaking of numbers, I got a date for you folks. On May 28th, 2021, Fozzie released the music video for their current single, Sane. It sucks. It's, uh, <laughs> it sucks. It's far from Judas, but it definitely takes cues from the lessons learned with that single. The song starts with a chonky and tough riff. The verse comes in with Jericho's patented, fa- patented, patented fake Ozzy vocals. By the time we get to the pre-chorus, and especially the chorus, the song is totally dropped into background music territory. The video has 1.6 million views on YouTube, but but it is it only has 414,479 streams on Spotify. And and while it is the fifth most streamed Fozzy track on Spotify, put the things in perspective, it sits a full 4,672,433 streams behind the next most streamed Fozzy track. Also, the video for Sane is so hilariously terrible. It's literally, it's so bad. It's just a band, the band riding roller coasters for the entire four minutes and 12 seconds. And it's just a GoPro mounted on the front of a roller coaster car facing them and doing their like weird slowed down, sped up like movement thing. They did with Judas. They did with Judas. Exactly. That same like speed effect that they do in Judas. And the They're whole, trying to trick you. The whole thing is just on roller coasters. It's like a couple different roller coasters, <laughs> but it's like a couple different. He just wanted to ride roller coasters. <laughs> it's like three different roller coasters, <laughs> and I don't know. I'm. Uh, this may be coming up a lot with me, but I'm really into water parks and the way. <laughs> To find a great water park is you go on YouTube. You actually are. Yeah, I'm really into water parks. But you go on YouTube and you could look up GoPro footage of people like riding the different water slides. And I've done that for like water parks I'm potentially going to to find the best water park. And it just reminds me of that. It's literally 
uh, just like, hey, check out this roller coaster. Like, maybe you want to ride this roller coaster at Six Flags, or maybe you don't. But Fozzie was like, okay, this is a music video concept. Here we go. Speed effect. Roller coasters. My only takeaway from that is the level of connoisseur of water parks that you are. <laughs> That's you a fine are takeaway. Fucking wild. You're insane. I love you so much, Jeremy. Maybe, you know what? The next time you invite me to a water park, I'm going to say yes because I didn't realize the excruciating level of research that you put in to finding a water park. I've watched a YouTube video for every water slide within three hours <laughs> of New York City. Fucking Okay, let's listen. Let's well, let's slide on out of this segment. That, that was <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We're gonna bring this horse home, and it's gonna fuck my wife. <laughs> All right. At a recent gig in Iowa, they finally debuted another new song titled "The Vulture Club." It's whatever. It's got some sort of chunky, chuggy, chuggy riff, a verse that feels a little priesty little Judas Priesty, and a chorus that bizarrely sounds like some weird attempt at Alice in Chains' bluesy heaviness. Rich Ward has some strange guttural scream monologue he delivers, and then there's a kind of shreddy, proggy solo. This is a, a song is bizarre, and I believe it might be an indication of the Fosse record to come hype. Or, or perhaps more like I should. Perhaps I should have said that's a threat. Uh, and this moment is thanks to Fozzie currently being on their Save the World tour. That's right, you folks at home, you can catch Fozzie live. The world could use a little saving right now, can it? <laughs> that's for sure. And I know what you're thinking, Andrew. Are they playing New York? Because that's what I was thinking. Are they? They're not. Oh, I looked it up. They're not. I mean, they're playing makes like sense. Buffalo or something, but they're not playing. That makes city. sense. I, I, we, we, I, we lock our friends up in Buffalo. I'm not trying to hate on upstate. No, yeah, but they're just it's just not accessible for us, which is no. super a bummer. Well, I, they probably don't want to come to such a ha- such a cesspool haven, a Sodom style cesspool haven for leftist anarchists. Yeah, New York City. Yeah, right? exactly. All right, let's talk about the song's creation, folks. Okay. Now, Judas was a lead single off of Fozzie's seventh album of the same name, Judas. Creative. Isn't it fun how they do that? I love it when they do that. Name, anyway. Their label was, and currently is, Century Media, a subsidiary of Sony. Major. Major. The album was produced by Johnny Andrews, making his marking his debut as a producer. We'll get to him in a bit, as he also has songwriting credits for this album. Uh, and that was also his primary gig before production. Worked with Better Than Ezra and Three Days Grace. <sighs> Your favorite. I hate everything uh. about you. Ooh. Oh, can't wait for that one. So many hints, so many hints. Anyway, the album was mixed by Jay Rustin and mastered by Paul Logus. They did their jobs, and I hope <laughs> that they were fairly compensated. They definitely both mixed and mastered this. That is true. Yeah. Fozzie can claim creative ownership over the songs on Judas, the album, due primarily to one member and one member alone, Rich Ward. A.K.A. The Duke. And that is so... Thank you for getting that in there. I've not... I've missed the duke's title i apologize you didn't read the first sentence of wikipedia (laughs) because that's that's what i did 
Oh, <laughs> uh, well, the Duke, Rich Ward, is Fozzie's secret weapon, or perhaps more accurately, its secret leader. Rich Ward is a multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, and founding member of the rap rock band named Stuck Mojo that made up Fozzie, aside from Jericho when Fozzie started. Ward is the only member of Fozzie who has writing credits on every single track on the Judas album. He is the only Fozzie member with writing credits on the song Judas. Well, he is the Duke after all. <laughs> so, you may be asking yourself, what does Jericho contrib- contribute when music is written? It's hard to tell. Perhaps some of the lyrics? Definitely not on Judas, but maybe maybe others? Uh, he's not a musician. He can play, he can't play, rather, any instruments. Kind of guitar. He can strum some power chords on a guitar. But believe me, he is... A beginner at best. I'm not even sure if he knows any open chords, honestly. Uh, simple down-up strumming patterns were hard for him the last time I watched him play guitar on one of his live streams. Well, at least he could replicate Ozzy, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man. There, the other people who wrote Judas are Justin Cordell and Johnny Andrews. And boy, do they each quite have have quite their own pedigrees. Let's 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 let, let's look at this. Cordell has written songs for acts such as the Black Veil Brides and of course Fozzie and his own band, We Is Human. We Is Human is a <sighs> there's so many new strange sentences from this show. A Nashville-based Christian alternative metal band. We is human. But Johnny Andrews' career really stands out to me. Bands he's written for include Apocalyptica, a Finnish symphonic metal band. Uh, it's three cellists and a drummer. It's pretty fucking metal, actually. For Whoa. real. Yeah, pretty rad. Uh, Brad. Uh, Better Than Ezra, Die Mannequin, All That Remains, Scott Stapp, the lead singer of Creed, just Scott Stapp, Blue mm. Jays Grace, Flyleaf, Kyotos, and of course, We Is Human. Now, a funny fact. Judas was originally written by Johnny Andrews for Justin Cordell's old group, the Nashville-based Christian alternative metal band, We Is Human. So even if Fozzie doesn't call themselves Christian alternative metal, they quite literally are that, and there's no arguing. They are, they absolutely are. Their biggest song was written as a Christian alternative metal song. Full stop. They absolutely are. And I'm, I love that you bring that up because there was, I got, if I, oh, I don't ever prepare for this episode. I got to find it and tweet it out later or something. There is a moment, there is some communication where Jericho, um, he like credits, you know, Striper for not being shy about being Christian rock, for being so proudly Christian rock. Meanwhile, like Ju- Fozzie, while like kind of being upfront about it. They're kind of like real timid and shy about it. Like they, it almost seems like they don't want you to actually know that they actually are a Christian band. They don't fucking like plaster themselves with it. They don't own up to it in every fucking interview and things. Um, yeah, well, you and I hear Judas very differently. I just hear Judas and was like, uh, I can tell you yes. from interviews and actually, and it's funny, it's, I'm complaining, it sounds like I'm complaining about this and I guess I am complaining about it in context of like, where's this band's integrity? But something I really respect Jericho right. for is he's not, he is not a recruiter. Like he doesn't try to inculcate people and force Christianity and God sure. on people. I had to dig to find an interview with him discuss discussing his faith. And it was again, that old weird Australian sports entertainment dot com <laughs> archived article from a website that doesn't even exist anymore. But anyway, 
Anyway. Anyway, let's move on to the critical reaction, commercial impact, chart success, and fan response. All right. Critical reaction. Well, uh, mm, so Loudwire was the most reputable source that I could find, actually, to, that actually reviewed this album, Judas by Fozzie, and it's a generic and moderately critical review. Not as critical as it fucking should be, believe you me. Other reviews from smaller outlets are more honest, actually, ranging from an appropriately measured, what did you expect, type of review, to... <laughs> My favorite line from the Angry Metal Guys review. Shout out to the Angry Metal Guy. Shout out. Quote, for sure, most of you will find loads of shit wrong with these songs. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, shout Perfect. outs to the Angry shout Metal out. Guy. <laughs> for sure, most of you will find loads of shit wrong with these songs. Iconic. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Perfect review of the album. Perfect review. Commercial impact. In a December 17th, 2017 tweet by the band, they announced that Judas, the single, has sold 100,000 units. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, I guess that can't only be wrestling fans. They have to really be hitting the Christian alt market, which is enormous. I, I wonder... Probably would be a lot of overlap with the Christian alt market and wrestling still, though, too, you know, especially WWE wrestling. Sure. Yeah. I, dude, I, I don't know what I don't uh, know what percentage of Fozzie fans aren't wrestling fans who are going more for like they appreciate his wrestling, you know? Right, right, right. I, I think that would be mostly. This yeah, may- but there's also, you know, the song is so ingrained into his wrestling performance mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. it's an opener that was, you know, it's like you hear a song so many times. You have Stockholm Syndrome. That's absolutely <laughs> Wow, this is gonna, that's a fun way of thinking about now the fan response to this because that's the big thing I highlight is how passionately the fans respond to this song. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're stuck in a stadium and clearly, whatever, we'll get there. But clearly those like, you know, those Monday Night Raw performances aren't actually that entertaining once you're there. So a fucking opportunity where the whole crowd is singing. It's like, all right, well, I'm here. Well, also just AEW is a funner show than WWE. Right. Getting catty with wrestling promotions now. Oh, well. It's worth noting that the video for Judas has 49 million views. That's pretty gross. <laughs> it's the, yeah, it's while I can't tell you how many records it's actually sold, I can tell you that. So it's also the sixth most viewed video in Century Media's YouTube channel. It's preceded by various videos from Arch Enemy, In the Moment, and Suicide Silence. I've definitely heard of that. Nope. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Fozzie also has 41, uh, Ju- uh, Judas rather, has 41.5 million plays on Spotify. Mm, right? Well, you know what? It's interesting because just to go on another, just a, whatever, record sales are, the numbers that they get are also, they get them from the label, I believe, from each label or some distributor. So you're suggesting they could be inflated as well? Well, they, by definition, well, back in the day, they were certainly inflated because they counted the records sitting on shelves in stores because those were tec- technically out the door of the distributor. And I believe the distributor is who is who reports to Billboard, if I remember all this stuff correctly. I haven't really been in it or thought about it for a while. But no, I appreciate that. 
Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I, I do know, though, at some point in time, records on the shelf counted for those Interesting. records sold. Interesting. It's funny, like, how old media used to be accounted for and, like, with the weird, like, like yeah. comic books with, like, the page-tearing thing that would happen or whatever. Uh, we're not going to get into this anyway. <laughs> Let's talk about the chart success for Judas. Let's do that. June 21st, 2017, Fozzie makes <laughs> a Facebook post. Not, not, not a MySpace post, as P.O.D. would have, but they make a Facebook post announcing that they entered the Billboard Mainstream Rock chart at number 39, marking Fozzie's first foray into the top 40. Good for them. I mean, it's also the top 39. They're the top 40. <laughs> they're, they definitely made, they're in the top 39. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're starting, they're, they're starting at the top. The, I was say the top, but they're definitely not at the top. Anyway, the song peaked at number, the number five spot and stayed on the mainstream rock chart for a total of 26 weeks. Judas also hit number one on the Sirius XM Octane chart. Chart. Worth noting. Uh, it was ranked number 37 out of 50 on Billboard's 2017 Mainstream Rock Songs year-end chart. I just went into a blackout for that name. But uh, the album itself <laughs> peaked at number 147 on the Billboard 200. Chart. <laughs> yeah, I black out for this whole section every <laughs> time, honestly. Dude, it's it's really so, rough. It's so... Oh, man. Fan response. <laughs> People generally love this song. Fozzy is no critical darling, but even critics admit that this song was surprising and almost single-handedly elevates the album itself. Now, hipsters aren't going to fuck with this song, but this is one of those things that is, as long as you can look beyond your own tastes, you can understand why this song hits with the people it hits with. You don't even have to fucking like it, but you could understand why it hits with the people it hits with. This song is Fozzy's biggest and that's because of the fan response, not the critical one. Well, that and it's his entrance music that so many people see every time they watch his wrestling. Absolutely. But if it, helps. you know, if it, if it weren't something the crowd loved to sing along to, the, that feedback loop wouldn't totally, be Totally, 100%. You know? But, you know, I don't know. I hear you. No, listen. It's got being force-fed down people's throats. Yes. <laughs> you know? Uh, and hey, listen, people tend to admit that Fozzie fucking sucks. But people also think, seem to think that the song is rad. I'm one of them. And reviews from people who bought the album are... Sure, they're favorable. But even not when they're not favorable, they all typically highlight Judas as, as, as the one redeeming track that this album actually has well it's for sure the best song they've released absolutely is the song is adored by countless wrestling fans and sung with gusto and abandon every time jericho enters to a live audience as we've been talking about it has become a true anthem for wrestling fans in attendance at live matches anytime jericho comes out to the crowd anytime jericho comes out rather the crowd is screaming every single word of the song and singing along through the music, cutting out thousands of people in unison. It's crazy.
Right. Those are all the people that bought the album. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, well, you know, listen, even if, even if this doesn't affect you, I'm going to say you're just working hard to be unmoved at that point. I'm tearing up over you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you are. Oh, man. Anyway, let's move on to segment three. So, what makes the band bad? Wow. All right. They're generic. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Something doesn't need to be a paradigm shift to be great, but goddamn, they are generic. It is, it is the sound. Fozzie is the sound of processed cheese as, as pop, hard rock, and they have the audacity to call themselves metal. Well, really, they're Christian alternative metal. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> oh man Fozzy is sound it's music out of the machine their recordings are inorganic and not in an exciting way like you know with industrial music for example it's processed produced overproduced wet whatever words you want to use it just doesn't sound like a group of humans with instruments in a room making music happen and again not in a cool industrial or whatever sort of way. Sometimes, sometimes tools like auto-tune can be used as an artistic choice. It can even be a master stroke. That's not what's going on here. No, it's not. So I can't sing very well. I can speak from my own experience. Any production done on my voice when my band recorded wasn't there to highlight what I do well. It was there to cover up what I do badly, which is Sing and, and Jericho and I are quite literally very similar in that way. Well, luckily for you two, that's all you need is a little bit of studio magic. Yeah, yeah. Well, Fozzie uses a lot of it. The technical limitations of the performers in the band are apparent, most notably Jericho. But Rich Ward is by no means a virtuosic, innovative, and inspiring guitarist. He's every guitar teacher and guitar center employee who's like sick enough and can riff. And shred, don't get me wrong, he can shred and do pick squeals. He can do that shit out the ass. He's a pro, but there are many professionals and tremendously accomplished guitar players out there, like millions, average dudes. So you're saying not the most brilliant and eccentric guitar player decided that Christopher <laughs> Jericho for was going to be their front man. You really are the company you keep, huh? You really are the, you really yeah, are your friends. Exactly, that's what that's exactly. true, you know. Yeah. Jericho is not a good singer, man. He can truly carry a tune. He can carry a tune is what I want to say. He can he can at minimum, truly, yes, he can carry a tune. Well, but with those muscles, if he couldn't carry it, a tune. Wow! 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 That was good. That was good. I'm glad you're saying. I'm glad you're saving your best for the pod. That was yeah. good. That was really good. Make sure you save it all for the pod. I don't want you to let those. Jo- I don't want you to blow those, blow those jokes loads out in the streets with randos. Save it for <laughs> joke loads. Joke loads. <laughs> that is such a good. Band oh name. no! Oh god! Oh man! Jericho's not a great singer. He's not a singer of a band. He's a guy who sings in a band. He was better in his youth, actually. I think, and his limitations are more exposed more and more as time goes on. You think all that head damage from <laughs> wrestling would help? <laughs> to go to help him. Make him more creative, huh? <laughs> oh, that would be great if that's how that worked, actually. yeah. Oh, man. And unlike... 
<laughs> and unlike someone like Ozzy or Iggy Pop, who they do those people, those vocalists do have limitations. Jericho isn't that an arguably special, iconic rock performer who just may not be a technically superior vocalist, but can still be a legendary vocalist for proving what can be done with an odd and unique sound and a limited range and skill sets. That is not, that is Ozzy and Iggy. That is not Jericho. And about Ozzy and Iggy Pop, you know exactly who those people are the second they start singing or screaming. Yeah. If I played any Fozzy song for you, you would not recognize it. No, you would not. You won't, unless you know the song to begin with. But whatever you think Jericho sounds like, listen to a song like, you know, Wordsworth way off the Judas record, and you'll have to check to make sure you're still indeed listening to the same band. It is that generic. I knew what I was listening to, and yet I was not sure what I was listening to. Algorithm or album. <laughs> 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 That's a fun game to play. It's our new show, Algorithm or Album. Yeah. In fact, some songs seem completely devoid of melody, which isn't unique to Fozzy. Think pieces have actually been written about the lack of melody in modern music, and there's a lot to it. Sure. But to address this quickly, Fozzy and Jericho aren't making these painterly choices, focusing on minimal melody out of artistic restraint and exploring the opposite of excess and indulgence. No, no. A lot of Fozzie's music is ugly, and not in a rad or gnarly way. In, in technical terms, it's ugly. Yeah, I mean, their entire discography is just like throwing shit at a wall and just going for it. Like, not even waiting to see what sticks. <laughs> oh, man. Well, as I was been started hinting at earlier, I do. I really wish that Fozzie stayed in, in this created reality, in their created reality. It may have been bizarrely freeing for them. They would not ever need to like truly worry about being original or anything like that, they could fully live in their gimmick and perhaps become so comfortable and settled into that that they were able to grow within that gimmick and actually innovate while still adhering to the defining characteristics and rules they made for this, themselves in this created reality. Christopher really could have been the next Damon Albarn or something, yeah? Exactly. Sometimes limitations and rules and confines create great art you know totally their early songs listen their early songs are far from great i don't want to make it out like this is some un undervalued genius okay but you know there are moments of early songs like end of days that i actually appreciate and the the, the chorus where jericho delivers the line end of days is actually really kind of tough in a kitschy way in all the right kitschy and tough sort of ways and the breakdown is also pretty cool feel the burn is kind of early 90s psychedelic alt metal with a bit more of an emphasis on melody it's actually kind of interesting and to kill a stranger has a riff that sounds like some you know cowboys from hell era pantera it, it's fun it, it's got a fun pre-chorus and it's got a pr pretty memorable chorus you know it's kind of all i remember from the song actually yeah yeah i, I just yeah. think they could have kept this up they could have kept being like a like a tough you know like fake thrash 80s glam metal band jericho could have continued to be moon goose mcqueen chris irvine could have continued to be moon goose mcqueen i believe if they had stayed firmly rooted in the gimmick they would have eventually found their true selves inside of the created confines of that gimmick do the rest of the band have fun and absurd names too i mean we now know rich ward was the duke but i wonder <laughs> if the other like what was the, what are the they call the drummer 
They all they all did, and I forgot the, I forgot them all, and I didn't write them down. That's you can right. learn them in Fozzie, Unleashed, Uncensored, on whatever it's called. Yeah, watch it for sure. Really? Ah, I don't know. I would have loved to have seen how Moon Goose McQueen and, and Co. kind of dealt with 2021. That would have been pretty wacky. But eh, they didn't do that. Instead, they chose to become a real band, and they joined our reality, in effect, becoming kind of just another band. Their music is so generic and poor, I'm frankly shocked that they didn't write it all themselves. Like, yeah. Like, oh fuck! It's so confused, confounding. Like, how did three, like how three plus professional musicians, give or take, depending on the song, they get money to do this. They come up with such uninteresting, unmemorable, and listless music. None of it. None of it sounds like stuff that Ward or Jericho and Co. couldn't have come up with on their own. And yet, each song was a concerted team effort from multiple fucking writers. Well, I guess that kind of makes a good, them good writers, right? It made them seem like the musicians actually wrote the songs. <laughs> I, guess, I guess. You're like, here's some terrible songs. Obviously, it could have been Chris Jericho that wrote this. It's just honestly, it's like the way, it's honestly another allegory for WWE. It's like WWE is the same problem. They have a room filled with like 15 writers and they produce crap. It's like, yo, how did, how did so many people working on this makes one thing so bad. I, right, you didn't figure it out yet? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I had it right here in the script. Any innocent fan bystanders of WWE are well aware by now, a room full of many writers doesn't always mean a great product. So it is that generic quality that despite the team effort that really proves to me and for me how bad of a band Fozzie is. It's not that the songs aren't the best or that the, the skills aren't the strongest. Fozzie is bad because they're bland. I don't know what Fozzie's sound is. I don't, I don't think they do. I mean, I, I know what they think it is. I know what they think it. They think, they think it's hard rock and metal. And, and though they have the hard rock thing down more or less in practice, their sound is all over the place. So I don't know who they are as a band, and I actually I actually don't believe that they do either, even if they say otherwise. I do. <laughs> yeah? Do you? Yeah, they're a Christian alternative no. <laughs> metal band. I, yes, actually, there, there it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. Well, let's get into the technical analysis. Let's get let's into it. Technical analysis. Let's get into it. Way. We are so close. This horse is so close to fucking my wife. He's so ready. <laughs> oh, so this song thrives from a technical standpoint, I say, because of the following. It's simple. Shifting dynamics that don't sacrifice energy. The song builds. The sound and sense are unified. Something our friend Danny Rose actually taught me is called word painting when it pertains to music. Yes, folks, if you Google that, sound and sense, Google sound and sense, and that strictly, I mean, it applies to music, but that really is a poetic, a poetry concept. It's called word painting in music when the music matches the sense of the lyrics. And on that note, the chorus is anthemic. Further on that note, for the folks who listen and dig in, these lyrics hit especially the chorus, and the lyrics hitting, as I just stated, that is part of the sound and the sense being unified. Word painting. Let's get into it. Let's do it. It's simple. It has a hooky riff. The song is straightforward and impactful. The song isn't about complexity. It's about sheer enjoyment. 
from a songwriting and production perspective. A great way to reach that is by keeping things simple. Sure. Like making the hook of the song the main riff and making the making sure that riff is itself quite simple, memorable, and also singable. That's the thing. You can sing. Even if you're one of those folks who can't sing, you're not musically inclined, you can sing this riff. Anybody can go bum 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 bum. It's easy. It's impressive. It's simple. Everything about this tune is conventional and it's executed excellently. I guess I can't argue with you there. Oh, God, for once. Thank fucking God. It's getting ready. I was like, how the fuck am I going to... Sub- <laughs> how am I going to rebut Jeremy? All right. Thank you, Jeremy. It has shifting dynamics that don't sacrifice energy. This song is a constant push and pull. It's a constant build. Yes, the verses build to the pre-chorus, which builds to the chorus. That is a recurring explosive crescendo. This is the song's loop. And it's gratifying, but but those shifting dynamics and the builds they never ha- they never happen at the sacrifice of the energy. The beat never falls out. the The song never stops. The shifting dynamics do not sacrifice the energy of the song. However, right, the energy is constantly building to explode, to pull back a bit, to build again. But again, nothing ever stops. And this is part of what makes the sound of the song match the sense of the lyrics. The reality of the song, its story, its reality, is an individual lucidly experiencing and contemplating a Jekyll and Hyde style transformation, okay? A transformation that hurts those whom he loves and leads to his final shreds of humanity and lucidity, desperately bemoaning the monster he has become. Human empathy and consciousness trapped within the beast for moments before being snuffed out. I'll talk about this bit more in a bit, but the sound and sense are one here in some very simple ways. And these themes kind of mimic his wrestling career at the time as well, right? He was a good guy back in the day, but now he's playing a little bit more of the bad boy. Absolutely, absolutely. Bad and, boy. And that is very much the moral storytelling of the, yeah. the morality play that pro wrestling can be. Right. So, during the verses, more on this word painting, during the verses where human empathy and lucidity is shown, the music is calm and pulled back. The music builds as the lyrics become more twisted and more violent and lead us along in the story of this transformation. The music mounts and piles up to dizzying proportions as the pre-chorus, lyri- as the pre-chorus's lyrics reflect the frenetic confusion of a vile and violent transformation. The music then explodes in the chorus for the main character and song's central figure to vocalize that he has become the monster. And yes, the chorus is indeed anthemic. It's singable and simple. And those lyrics, what have I become now that I've betrayed everyone I've ever loved and pushed them all away? Those lyrics resonate. Let's talk about why. I do want to just sing them right now. (laughs) Like I didn't, but like you speaking them, I was like, what if I become... It hits, right? It hits, it, hits. it does the thing. Yeah. So let's talk a little personally about why it does the thing. For the musical elite, for the hipsters, this is, you would call this a guilty pleasure type of song. It's not cool. It's not sophisticated. And it doesn't reach a level of taste that would allow any Brooklyn hipster to admit to liking this song. This isn't the kind of song you can admit to liking around your cool friends. If you even have any. <laughs> 
But I contend those songs that are cool and pass the sniff test with people who can't get past their own snobbery, I contend those songs are rarely emotionally resonant. I contend those songs don't grab you at the jugular. This song does those things. This song is also a descent into hell. That's what this song is. This song is about change. Kind of about self-actualization, much like Pantera songs, but from a slightly different angle. Yeah, the angle of the Bible. I mean, that's, it's like you take the literal out of Judas and Jesus, and that's like what the Bible was supposed to be doing. It's telling a story to take the literal out of it so that you have a fucking lesson learned. You that know? is so all it like, should be doing. Thank you, yes. But that's, so it's, it's just the Bible. It's more Bible. <laughs> While there is a lot of implicit and also explicit villainy in Pantera's music, especially a song like Good Friends and a Bottle of Pills, which is a fucking, I hate, I, just, I hate that song. But anyway, for the most part, Pant it's not even a song, it's just whatever. Anyway, for the most part, Pantera's songs are about a transformation into something bigger, stronger, and altogether more powerful than before. Something you can call being positive-ish right? Judas is straight up about becoming evil. It's a heightened reality, a poetic moment, but one we can understand. So I'm going to ask a question now, folks, you, you folks, you folks at home, ask yourselves, what is the most selfish thing you've ever done? Something that when said aloud and examined by another person could be easily viewed as quote, not okay. Bonus points if it truly came at the cost of another. One time I was biking and this cab cut me off and I yelled at the passenger, don't tip that asshole. <laughs> Does that count? I know. I actually think that that's quite wholesome compared to the depths I'm trying to reach to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, listen, maybe not everyone listening at home has moments quite like that, but, but I guarantee you that you have moments and memories where you were less than stellar moments and memories you won't share with others. Yeah, I guess so, probably. Yeah. I guarantee you folks at home, you've acted in ways that have hurt another, and you were cognizant of it too. And hey, maybe your mark didn't know you were getting one over on them, but you did. Yeah, you did. But you're not a bad person. That's good to know. <laughs> we're solving big things on the show. You just did what you had to do to get yours, but you're not merely a lion living off the food chain in the most raw and real way is either you're a person and you can question and judge your actions. You could commit a crime and feel remorse for it in the very moment. And that's what this song is about. A conscious, fearful, but powerful descent into villainy, into selfishness. There are songs that come close to this one, but... <laughs> For my money, this is one of the most compelling stories I've heard in a pop song. Not so much for the quality of each individual word in the lyrics, because, you know, it's corny. It's corny and buffoonish, you know, but, but for what the overall message of the song is, yeah, that hits me. I'm compelled by the classic horror transformative moments in this song. The traditional space between, the transitional space rather, the transitional space between Jekyll and Hyde, between man and werewolf. That's what happens in this moment of lucidity when Jericho sings run away before continuing down his transformation. You should check out the Bible then. <laughs> 
I've heard it's a pretty pretty. I've heard some people say it's a good book. Yeah, there's a very similar story. <laughs> Is there, Jeremy? Yeah, yeah. There's a super. Is there a super similar story, story to this story that we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, in the Bible. Uh huh. I see. Right. Thank you. I'm gonna look into that. I'm gonna check. I'm gonna check, check that out. Check that book out. Yeah, I'm gonna check that book out and that story out after this show, Jerry. Thanks. Well, and at the height of this violent and demonic apotheosis, at the most blood-soaked and lust-filled fever pitch crescendo of madness, comes another moment of lucidity when Jericho asks, "What have I become now that I've poor, I've betrayed?" everyone I ever love and push them all away. The, sug- the suggestion of that shred, that, that there's just a shred of humanity left, that, that, is, that is the crux of what makes Darth Vader a compelling character and, and tragic figure, right? So that's the storytelling going on here with this song. And I don't get that in many pop songs. Like, let's humanize a villain and also show that the villain stole a shred of humanity still in them. That's interesting stuff. I love this song for the story it tells. And it tells the story with a hooky, super chonk riff and a really anthemic chorus. And at the end of the day, the song just fucking, it slaps, as the slaps. kids say. Especially the chorus. I don't care who you are. Listen to the chorus and the melody. Remove your judgments and that this is lowbrow music and therefore you can't enjoy it because you know you have taste or whatever. Listen to this. Let it wash over you. I defy you not to be affected once the chorus comes in. And that's it. The horse can do what he wants to do. Folks, thank you for your t- thank you for your time. Stay strange. Be kind. Love yourselves. Nobody else is going to do it for you. Love yourselves. Fuck you and your friends tonight. <laughs> we'll see you in hell, folks. <laughs>